don't get me wrong, the King James Version is a great translation, and they did a really good job based on the information they had in the 1600s, but it's been 400 years, we've made more discoveries, we have better scholarly research, so let's take advantage. If we really want to understand what the original authors were saying, we need to dig into the context, we need to have multiple translations, right? Let's not hang our hats on any one translation because then we're missing so much more value. Hi, I'm Troy King, and I know that reading the Bible is a tremendous blessing, but it's also challenging and sometimes confusing. I'm here to tell you that you're not alone. Together, we'll explore the cultures and context of Scripture so that you can discover new insights and grow closer to God. This is the Freedom Bible Study Podcast. All right, welcome back to episode three of the Freedom Bible Study Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Troy King, and today we're talking about frequently asked questions about the Bible answered. These are questions that I run into all the time, the questions that are burning on people's hearts and minds, and I'm going to do my best to give some good scripturally-based answers today. Uh, before we dig in, I do want to encourage you to subscribe to the show. You can visit freedombiblestudy.com. You can subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, also on YouTube, and uh, please like and share and all that good stuff. All right, let's dig in. Frequently asked questions about the Bible answered. First of all, what is the Bible? Well, I can tell you what it's not. It's not man's book about God. And sometimes we can fall into that that viewpoint because we look at the historical books like Kings and Chronicles and the book of Acts and the New Testament, and it seems like, well, it's just a history of these people and their experiences with God. But really, the Bible is God's revelation to humanity about himself through his experiences with man. Some people will look at the behavior of people in Scripture, and they'll think that it's prescriptive, like this is how we're supposed to live, when in actuality, it's descriptive. It's describing how people lived, whether they were right or wrong (laughs) with God, right? That's the thing. People will do something in Scripture, and then God judges them. So that shows us that we, we shouldn't do that thing, right? That's not prescriptive behavior. It's descriptive. We don't want to do that thing that invokes God's wrath or judgment upon us. So let's look at Second Peter chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. So it's so important that we understand what this is saying, okay? It's not saying that God grabbed the prophet's hand and forced it to write something unknown on a, on a piece of uh, papyrus while the, the, the prophet was in a trance. And then they, then they come to their senses and like, well, what, what is this that I wrote? No, that's not at all how it happened. When you look at the original writings, okay, if you're, if you're able to read Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, and you look at the writings, you can see that each author communicates differently based on 
their own level of experience, their own vocabulary. Paul, for example, was, was well-trained and a skilled orator, and his writing is very much different than the Apostle John, who was a fisherman, right? Their writing styles are totally different. And we may not pick that up when we read an English translation, but scholars would agree that uh, they weren't in a trance, they weren't uh, out of their minds penning something completely foreign. No, God gave them a message. God gave them something in their hearts that they needed to communicate to an intended audience, and, and they communicated something. And our job is to discover what that something was, and then determine how we can apply that to our lives. So, a second question, who wrote the Bible, right? Well, Scripture was written by about 40 different men. Moses wrote Genesis and the first five books of the Bible, called the Torah, about 1500 B.C. Well, Genesis was in 1500 B.C. The rest of the books came later. Uh, but Genesis is from that time frame. And then the Apostle John wrote Revelation about 90 A.D., so about 1,590 years, cover to cover, that's a long length of time to write a book. But remember, the Bible is a collection of different literatures, different, different books. Um, so let's look at 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So it's so important that we understand this because scripture is our guide. How do we live to please our creator? How do we live to please God? Like I said before, there are things in scripture that we can see are not prescriptive. God isn't happy when we do certain things and people are judged for it. We don't want to fall into the same trap. So we need to, to look at scripture to discover what is God's plan for us? What is the plan for salvation? How can we re be redeemed back to God? And once we are made right with him, how do we stay right? How do we live in a way that pleases him? So let's go back to uh, the authors of the Bible. Uh, Moses is traditionally believed to be the author of the first five books of the, the Bible, known as the Torah or the Pentateuch. We have King David, who is often credited with composing many of the Psalms. And we have King Solomon, his son, who's traditionally associated with Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon, otherwise known as the Song of Songs. We have the prophet Isaiah, who's regarded as the author of that book, uh, Isaiah in the Old Testament. And we have the Apostle Paul, who wrote several letters or epistles in the New Testament, such as Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and others. So what is the difference between the Old and New Testament? You know, we, we throw these terms around, but do we really know what it means? So the Old Testament has 39 books, and it contains God's account of the creation of the world, a history of the Jewish people, and God's dealings with them. Uh, it also contains the writings of great Jewish prophets, which foretell the things that happen in the New Testament. Right? This is this is critical. When the uh, the prophets are writing things, six, seven, eight 
a hundred years, a thousand years before the New Testament, and yet the New Testament writers tell us that, hey, the thing that Isaiah wrote about, the thing that Jeremiah wrote about, this is fulfilled in Jesus, or this is fulfilled today uh, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So it, it's ab- it's really tremendous when you when you look at how Old Testament prophecy is fulfilled in the New Testament. Uh, it's very, very cool. Also, uh, a number of beautiful books of pro- uh, poetry and wisdom literature, such as Psalms and Proverbs. So that's in the Old Testament. Then there's a gap of about 400 years between the Old and the New Testament in which no scripture is recorded. So at the close of the Old Testament, Israel has been, uh, the Northern Kingdom has been exiled and wiped out. The Southern Kingdom was exiled to Babylon for 70 years, and they've come back, they've rebuilt Jerusalem, they've rebuilt the temple. They are not a sovereign nation, but at least they're back in their homeland, and uh, they are repeating the same mistakes as their ancestors. They are not living for God as the way, uh, as he wanted them to. They're not fulfilling the law of Moses. And so then, um, after Malachi... We have nothing for 400 years until the arrival of Jesus Christ. And this is where we pick up in the New Testament. It has 27 books. The first four are Gospels, which are uh, biographies of the life and ministry of Jesus. Then we have the historical book of the early church, Acts, or otherwise known as Acts of the Apostles. Then we have 21 letters or epistles written by the apostles and uh, followers of Jesus to the early church, to uh, somewhere like to specific churches, like the church in in Corinth or the church in Rome. Others were just to believers in general. And then we have one book of apocalyptic prophecy, Revelation. And that is a wild and crazy book. So, this book, collection of books, spans 1,590 years, give or take. What language was it written in? I heard someone once say that King James was the, was the original inspired word of God. Well, uh, I, I'm here to tell you that English, as, as we know it, Old English, wasn't really a thing until 1,000 A.D., about 1,000 years after Jesus and the Apostles died. I don't mean to laugh, but uh, this individual was was being kind of stubborn about it. So what can I tell you? So the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and some Aramaic. The New Testament was written in Koine Greek. Now scholars used to think that uh, the New Testament was written in some holy Greek, some uh, uh, biblical version of Greek, and then they found a huge library and uh, other repositories of artifacts in the desert that had been well-preserved for 2,000 years, and they discovered that the language used in the New Testament, the Koine Greek, was actually everyday Greek. It was everyday language. So it wasn't uh, some special uh, version or, uh, yeah, it wasn't some special version of Greek, but it was just your everyday Koine Greek. So a follow-up question then is, what is the Septuagint, right? You may have heard, um, you may have heard that word thrown around because sometimes the Septuagint 
is quoted in the New Testament, and the Septuagint is a translation of the Old Testament into Greek, and it was read in the early church and often quoted by New Testament writers. So back in the olden days, before King James, they had 70 scholars who were, uh, they assembled them together to translate the Torah or the law of Moses into Greek. So when Israel came out of exile, they went in speaking Hebrew. They came out speaking Aramaic. They didn't know how, just within a generation, they lost their ability to speak Hebrew. And so uh, 400 years later, now we're really in trouble because Hebrew is, uh, it's pretty scarce now. And so they, they had to, they wanted to translate the Old Testament scriptures. And I'm not sure at what point they, um, they translated it. I need to look more into that. Uh, but they, they translated original Hebrew into Greek so that they could use it um, in, the, in their early church. So, speaking of translation, what is a translation? Well, I don't know about you, but I don't speak or read Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek. I look at the letters, I look at the pictures, and I kind of scratch my head because I I have no idea what it is. Um, So, when we look at the original languages, if we're going to understand it, we have to have a translation, right? So one of the major first translations was into Latin in 405 AD. The Tyndale Bible, which was the first mass-produced English Bible, there were a few English Bibles before that, but uh, it wasn't until 1525 AD when the Tyndale Bible was mass-produced in English. And then we have the famous 1611 King James Version. And um, that's the version that you are probably very familiar with. Most people like that version. A lot of these and thous and shouts. And, and uh, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful translation. And it was very well done for the resources they had available in 1611. There's been more discovery since. Uh, so in 1800 and 1900, there were more English translations. They wanted to update it because 1611, Old English was, you know, it was, it's hard to understand. Let's be honest. It is a challenge for us today to, to follow some of the grammatical structures. In the 1970s, after the discovery, so the, the, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in the early 1900s, and as well as all these other uh, uh, libraries and repositories of artifacts in the desert. And with all of these discoveries in the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were able to, to really hone in on some of the oldest manuscripts and translate things, translate these old uh, languages more efficiently. So in the 1970s, we have a number of translations like the English Standard Version, ESV, New Living Translation, NLT. Those are like revisions of other Bibles that were produced in the early 1900s. The NIV, one of my uh, new favorites, the new, new international version, that is a fresh translation. Not, not a revised Bible, that is a brand new translation from the original, like the oldest manuscripts available. 
using some of the best scholarly knowledge in modern times. So these, uh, these discoveries have helped us to make better translations. Don't get me wrong, the King James Version is a great translation, and they did a really good job based on the information they had in the 1600s, but it's been 400 years, we've made more discoveries, we have better scholarly research, so let's take advantage. If we really want to understand what the original authors were saying, we need to dig into the context, we need to have multiple translations, right? Let's not hang our hats on any one translation because then we're missing so much more value. So we need multiple translations. And and I'm going to do a whole thing on what a translation is and how it works and uh, which one to choose. I'm, I'm going to do a whole thing on that here soon because I know it's something that, that you want to know about. So since we have all these archaeological discoveries, and because we don't speak Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, we, we need some good translations uh, so we can discover what God wants to share with us. So, so, today we have covered what is the Bible, who wrote it, what's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, what languages was the Bible written in, and what is a translation? If you have any other questions, let me know down in the comments uh, on YouTube, or send me an email, biblestudytroy at gmail.com, or through my website, freedombiblestudy.com. Let me know your thoughts, questions. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for watching. God bless. We'll see you next time.